Hey everybody, I just wanted to put a little disclaimer up front. Today we're going to be talking about Holiday Inn, which does have some racist depictions, including blackface in it, and we do get into a conversation about that, and so if that's not necessarily what you want to listen to in your holiday comedy movie review podcast, then go ahead and listen to any of our other podcasts. But there is a wonderful discussion in this, and I highly recommend it for all humans. So, anyway, you've been disclaimed. There's plenty of fantastic Christmas movies out there, and there's some great old ones and some wonderful new ones as well. And I think today's movie, 1942's Holiday Inn, is one of those movies that just doesn't quite do anything the best or the most unique like the the whole premise of opening a an inn just on the holidays is i guess unique in and of itself but the music you can find in other movies i think done better the dancing you can see fred astaire doing most of his dancing except for the drunk dance that's that's really worth it in this movie but you can see him do better dancing in other films um if you want Bing Crosby's dulcet tones, you can get them in White Christmas. Um, and this movie doesn't really have that much of a plot either. So it's it's hard for me to recommend this as a Christmas movie to anybody when there's so many better options out there. But at the same time, there are many good, unique parts of this movie where I'm like, you know what? If you're just feeling Christmassy and you want a song and dance number? This isn't a bad movie to get that from. Granted, there is also a super cringy blackface scene in this film. And, it, I mean, it's t- it's tough to get... It's tough to get past. It's, And we, we talk about it in this episode, but I think Holiday Inn, if you loved it as a, as a kid, you might still love it now. Um... And, you know, it's it's got all the good feels of a musical holiday movie. But I just think that there are more like this that can be found out there that might be better for you if you do like all the parts of this movie. It's Bing Crosby, it's Fred Astaire, it's Marjorie Reynolds, it's a bunch of Irving Berlin holiday music stuffed into too small of a plot. But... We do have a great guest on today, so Merry Christmas! Welcome everybody to A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. I am Kelly Song, one of your favorite co-hosts. As always with me is my other, my other favorite co-host? Definitely my other favorite co-host, probably yours too. Ryan Graves. Hello, 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 everybody. And this week we have an extremely special guest. We have with us Carrie Francis. Hello. Gentleman 3.0. Yes. Hi, everyone. Carrie, how are you doing? I'm so good. I'm already enjoying our conversation that the good. listeners have not gotten to hear, but I'm Yeah, there's it. there's a reason why we we waited to record. It's like we want to make sure <laughs> that, that she likes us. That'll first. be on the rom-com gents after dark actually. That yeah. was yeah, Perfect. We can't show that one. Uh so Carrie, uh you are a Broadway person. You are a uh dog mother. Your dog mother sounds like a really mean thing to say. <laughs> like, dog, you dog mother. mother. I think you of are... it as like um a a title in the mob. 
yeah, dog mother. Dog mother. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a dog you are, mom. You are a Knives Out featured star person yes. in the Ryan Johnson murder mystery movie. You are a singer. You've got a new holiday single out for Christmas. Not yes, for sir. Christmases, not the Vince Vaughn film we covered last year. Thank just God, for Christmas. because then I wouldn't listen to it. Mm. Uh, Carrie, what else should we know about you? So good. I mean, that's a great intro. Yes, I'm an actress. I'm a singer. I am a songwriter. I am a writer. And as of last year, I'm a producer. I'm a voiceover artist. And last couple of years, I've also been an extremely frequent podcast guest, which is All right. super fun. And yes, as you mentioned, I am a mother of one Henry Bear. <laughs> who's doing great the is he recuperating he's on medication right uh he's on yeah continual yeah medication for Ooh. being almost 13 oh wow, way to make it there he's my guy yeah uh so another thing we found out um we were talking about the broadway things in the pre-show um and uh kelly can you can you tell us where you first discovered carrie oh yeah <laughs> where, where <laughs> i discovered i was really the one who discovered her yes yes um I so when I saw that Carrie was going to be on the show, I saw that um, you had performed uh, in Fiddler on the Roof uh, on Broadway um, with Topal. Okay, it might have been that man from um, Fiddler on the Roof, you know, Toppy, Topol. Yes, that's right, Topol. And uh, I, I was like, well, that must have been pretty recent, and. Then I just asked you, I, I feel like this is weird because we're like recreating the conversation, but I'm just talking about it. <laughs> no, it's okay. I actually had already forgotten. We t- we went over so many things. I literally, in the time we paused, uh, I forgot. So I'm glad you guys remember to bring this up. Well, I never forgot your performance that I saw in Spokane in like, two, I want to say 2008, no, 2009, uh, 2010. 2009 and 2010. Yeah. I think we were in Spokane in 2009. Yeah, um, which it's so absolutely crazy that like that long ago i was gosh i was in college i guess and i got to see you perform but didn't know wait, you. wait did you point. say what show what did you say what show fiddler fiddler on the roof yes yeah and you did see tobol in it right yes yep yeah, yeah yeah so he did the whole first year and then um by the end of that year we were supposed to do two years um and he had a shoulder injury. Um, and at that point, I think he was 76. Um, so he stepped out and Harvey Firestein stepped in. But sometimes Harvey had had like some previous arrangements that he had to go do, you know, something to go shoot. And when so he couldn't do it, the um, wonderful and late Theo Bakel, who was the mm. original um, lead in Sound of Music on Broadway, he had like a very incredible career. He would step in. He was 82. Did, Whoa. So did he my, play... Uh, um, Captain Von Trapp? Yes, yeah, yeah thank okay. you for saying that. And then fast forward and knives out, Christopher Plummer, Captain Von Trapp in the yeah. movies. My whole career has been inundated with a lot of older and senior actors. And I'm pretty obsessed with that at this point. I think it's like very, very cool. I did, um, I originated the lead in an off-Broadway play a handful of years ago, and that was with a theater company run all by seniors. Um, and cool. 
one of the, the like three founding people was one of the women from a league of their own. And so nice. like it, there's just this like pattern following me of like senior, even from knives out, like Kay Callen and I became really good friends. After. Cool. Um, I, I feel like that's the dream because you're like adopted by all these people who know the business like inside and out and probably have just the most amount of advice to give you. Have you ever gotten like just really wonderful advice from your, I, I don't, I hazard to call them mentors, but like colleagues. Mentors. Um, I would say yes and no. I think the best advice comes from observing, right? Mm. So observing how they handle things, how they live their lives, how they run their careers, but also how they are at a point where they just don't, it's not life or death the way it is as a young actor. And it's not, you know, it's, they know to not take themselves or this business or anything too seriously. I even, I have this memory of, of Kay, we were at, um, a screening of Dark Waters in LA in very early or very late 2019. And um, I was saying how I wanted to get in touch with this management and I wasn't sure. And she, her car had just pulled up with valet and she opened the door and turned to me and she said, honey, just call him. What are you doing? And got in the car and slammed the door and left. And I thought, that's the epitome of being a senior actor. Like, don't waste any time. You know, just do it. And I think that that's actually really influenced me a lot. Totally. Actually, that resonates with a little bit of advice I was given by um, uh, an older filmmaker at one point in time. Um, It's the worst anybody can say is no, like when you're when you're asking for something. So you might as well just jump in and ask. Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. I really, really believe um, there's a quote I like by Ricky Gervais, or at least it's attributed to him that says, um, uh, the best advice anyone ever told me is that nobody has any idea what they're doing, mm-hmm. right? And that's true. I leave it on my computer all the time. Like I have it open in a tab and it's 100% true. And something about this last year, which feels crazy. Doesn't it feel crazy to you guys that we're at the end of 2021? Yeah. It's not. It's real. still 2019 bit. in my heart. But. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but something about this year, something changed in my brain in January um, and I have been living that advice out this whole year. And what I've noticed is it, everyone that I would reach out to would be really excited to hear from me, you know? And I like, I tried first, I like started with like old agents and they were all excited. And then I, you know, followed up on their referrals and they were all excited. And I had reached out to a ton of female producers because I had produced a movie last year and I want to learn more about producing and all of them, I mean, probably because they have the time right in the pandemic. Um, we're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's get on the phone. And that like the spiral and the spiral and the spiral got me to September when I reached out to a music producer and said, Hey, I want to do this song right now. Who I am compared to this time last year or any year before is so wildly different. And it really, really has to do with making those bold moves and just being okay with like it. What's the worst? Exactly what you just said. What's the worst that can happen? They say, no, maybe they don't respond. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Like yeah. that's literally it. And everyone's human and everyone is so flawed and messy and insecure and, and like a little kid inside, you know? So I think when you remember that, it's not like emailing some scary big Hollywood person. It's like, no, it's like you're emailing a human who's also probably about 12. Internally. Yeah, sure. And it probably helps that on your resume, on your IMDb, it's like has worked on professional Hollywood movie production. So you were... Your character is Sally, right? In yes. um, Knives Out, you were Frank Oz's assistant. Is that yes. isn't that right? Um, so, uh, you've uh, other listeners have probably heard your story about Knives Out, but can you just briefly explain to us what happened getting that role and just a little bit about what set life was like for that? 
Yes. Um, so much like Kelly, I met Ryan during um, Ryan Johnson, not you, Ryan Grace, um, <laughs> during the Fiddler on the Roof tour. Mm. And um, we just became extremely good friends. We're very similar in a lot of ways and kind of speak the same language and share the same humor. Um, and the the friendship was not based in the industry, but he would always know what I was doing and I would always know what he was doing. Um, but there was a lot of like lightness around it. You know, it wasn't ever like, oh, you're like fancy and important. I still don't think he's fancy and important. I don't think anyone's like super fancy and important, you know? And um, and you've met Chris Evans, so that's saying something. Yeah, Chris Evans, who's legit like a normal person who, you know, uh, has... Stuff. I, I feel like when you <laughs> when you work in the industry, that's one of the absolute first things that you find out is everybody's just a person. They're just yeah. human. Yeah. 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 Definitely. And I I actually think it really helps your career too because nobody wants to really be. I mean, I can't say nobody. There's definitely some people, but most people don't want to be with like fans. They want to be with friends and they want to mm-hmm. be with their peers and mm-hmm. you know live in their life. But anyway. Um, to go back to Knives, I was in and out for um, Star Wars, which we all now know I have never seen. Um, <laughs> Hold on. What? Why? <laughs> go back in there. Um, and I did not obviously book that part, and that's okay. Um, whoop. Can you be quiet for Mama? <laughs> Even I mean, your we'll, dog is surprised. We'll have him on the podcast. That's fine. <laughs> He's mm. like, you worked in Star Wars? I actually think at the time I did not even really believe I was capable of booking something like that. I wanted to, but I didn't, I didn't like make the connection that, yeah, I'm actually totally capable and that's going to be my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was doing a play at the time and I kind of felt like, oh, I'm on this theater path. I can't totally make a, a 180 now and do what I actually want to do, which is TV and film. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to like mid 2018 and we were talking about the movie and um, maybe actually in fall 2018, he, he was in New York and I was in hanging out with him and um, we were talking about all the parts, we are going through the script and he was like, you know, there's really, again, like no right part. There's no like one part that's exactly right for you and um, like that, I think that stinks and I want to figure out what I can do and I'm like, okay, whatever, like let's just go to dinner <sighs> and um, then he sent me the script to read and then he was like, okay, I have an idea. I'm going to write you in apart and I was like okay like again like I'm just like I don't not that he would lie but just like let's I'm not going to get my hopes up you know and um and then he did and he sent me the updated script and he called me extremely excited about you know the scene that he had written me into and about Frank Oz to which I said who's Frank Oz (laughs) um I'm going to tell you my best joke and if you don't laugh then I'll never come back out on this stage again, okay? It's a deal. Mm. Oh. I know, I know. Which, you know, is a fun story, but it, it does make me laugh now that I'm like, of course I knew who he was. I just couldn't right. necessarily put it together right then. Um, and he did. So, I, you know, I went up early and I, I watched and, like, shadowed him on set, um, which is something I get to continue to do in the future, which I'm very excited about. Um, and... That was just kind of it. It's kind of, it's interesting because it's a big deal and I am so happy and that's really all I ever want to do in my life. But it felt like the most natural thing in the world to me Mm. to be on a set and be making a movie and 
um, that's a real gift, that this thing that I felt in my being my whole life, that I'm supposed to be on set, so I'm supposed to be working at this level, uh, it validated so much for me. I just kept thinking over and over, like, oh my God, I'm not like crazy. Like I didn't make this up. It wasn't some crazy dream. I felt the most correct and aligned and accurate I have ever felt in my life. And that was like nine years into my career, mm. you know, so... Well, welcome, welcome to the dark side. <laughs> I, you said that uh, going into television and film is kind of a 180 from theater. I feel like it's more of like a 45. And yeah, it's like a handshake. It's not sure. really, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Are you looking to get into more stuff soon? Like are you, like you said, you produced a little bit last year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, are you more interested in, in front or behind the camera or both? Uh, in front of the camera, I would say way more, but definitely be producing and writing and selling projects and then eventually directing is the trajectory um, I would like to do. Well, something you did recently that is probably more important than Knives Out was your work at Christmas Con. Yes. And we want to hear about your coverage, your interactions at this year's Christmas Con. Tell us all about it. Yes. Yeah, so for your listeners who might not know, although I think you said your listeners probably do know what Christmas Con is, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Um, it is a convention, much like Comic Con, full of Hallmark and Lifetime and 90s actors that um, are all get together and have these like, you know, there's like a, a gingerbread house building contest and an ugly sweater <laughs> contest and... Um, there's games and activities and vendors and, um, there's these panels where three or four of the actors get up together on stage and do interviews. Do they, do they unfreeze Dean Cain for that every year or? No, no, No. it's not in the budget. You know, maybe in the future. Yeah. When when the technology has been perfected. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They already announced, um, so this was just a week ago, literally, um, and they announced like three days ago the dates for 2022. It's that successful. All right. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty intense. And, you know, there's names that we would know, like Melissa Joan Hart was there and Tamara Aww. Mowry was there. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, Joey Lawrence. Ooh. Whoa. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yes. um, and, you know, tons of other um, actors, you know, like uh, Bethany Joy Lenz from One Tree Hill and um, Tori DeVito from Pretty Little Liars, and basically all of the Hallmark people. And um, I did go, They, um, I had reached out to them about my song, and um, they were kind of already contracted with everything. And so they Wait, said- Wait, what, what song, Carrie? <laughs> what song? My holiday single, For Christmas, now available everywhere. Uh, so, Kelly, um, we've heard about Snives being out. We've had um, Christmas, both cons and songs. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about this week? Ah, well, today we're talking about 1942's Holiday Inn. And actually, I'm going to throw this over to Carrie. Carrie, why don't you tell us a story? Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. I ask you about love. Probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. So, 1942's Holiday Inn, a classic, what I would call White Christmas's kind of, like, distant cousin. 
the progenitor. Uh, yeah. Like older brother that we don't like to talk to as much. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you know, the reason we went with this is because it's actually one of my mom's favorite holiday films. And so it's something that we watch all the time. And when I was going through this, I did have a few times where I was like, why do we watch this? <laughs> so, uh, Mother. An emotional, yes, component that I don't know about. Your, but anyway. Your, your mom actually has that in common with uh, Teresa May, also one of her favorite films. I found when looking up trivia about this movie. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, she'll be glad to know it's not just her. <laughs> so we've got Bing Crosby playing Jim. We've got Fred Astaire as Ted, Marjorie Reynolds as Linda, and Virginia Dale as Lila. And Jim and Ted and Lila are this, like, trio of performers. And Jim, like, essentially is done so, if I can borrow a Kristen Cavallari uh, phrase here. Mm-hmm. He's just like done with entertainment and mm-hmm. he wants to go move to this farm that he owns, this inn and farm he owns in Connecticut. Connecticut. Or that he buys in Connecticut. Connecticut. Rather, and um, start his life there where he runs a quote unquote holiday inn, which only opens on holidays for performances. Right. Which and, would and- make a lot of money when you only do 10 days out of the year. <laughs> yes. It's so confusing. <laughs> it's- <laughs> Isn't it 15? He wants to do 15 holidays? I think he does say that it's 15. Yeah, that's, I work 15 days out of the year, and then the rest of the time I don't have to. And I, you know what I really liked is um, when I was also doing some research in one of the synopsises or one of the something I saw somewhere, I think Turner Classic Movies, um, wrote it as he wants a less exhausting career, like a less exhausting occupation. And I found myself going, yes, same, you know, because as you guys know, working in this industry, that's the perfect way to put it. That he just wanted a less exhausting occupation. I feel like everybody in our industry is asking for that right now. Just from the industry, we're like, can you make our occupation just less exhausting? That's perhaps? what's so dumb is that I had a day job up until two months ago, and I was like, you know what? I want to be a freelancer. I want to do this full time freelance stuff, and so I jump off, and now I'm working more. I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> So much more than if you had a traditional nine to five and that was, that was it. Yes, I feel you. I feel you and I feel Bing as Jim. <laughs> but, yes. but what he does, like what he, what he realizes once he's out there is because he wants to, before he opens the Holiday Inn, he like wants to work it as a farm and he's like, he's oh, like, that'll be easy. Just oh, being a farmer <laughs> by but yourself. Try, don't you kind of think I will sometimes... I think I actually said this recently. I was watching um, HGTV. I was watching Fixer to Fabulous. I don't know if you're oh. familiar with that Orion show. Ryan definitely is. I haven't watched that one. My my number one HGTV show is Hometown. I love oh. Hometown. Oh, that is I'll the go best. with you to Laurel anytime you want. Like a They're so trip. lucky there. Like, oh, I'm just going to drop $20,000 on this house and I'll own it outright. It's like, good for you. Wait, is this like a cheap Stars Hollow? Like, what is this place? Basically, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. would say. Thank you for okay. the Gilmore Girls reference. That oh, you'll find nothing but Gilmore Girls here. <laughs> oh, so delightful. Okay, you were watching Wait. Fixer to Fabulous. Yes. Fixer to Fabulous. And I actually literally texted Ryan and I was like, what if I bought a farm? How do you think that would go? <laughs> He's like, rewatch Holiday Inn. <laughs> I I always actually, Ryan, we were talking about this like last week with Rachel, weren't we? Where I was just like, you know what? I really feel like I need to go build that cob house and own a farm these days. 
Yeah, and every time it comes up, Kelly. So Carrie, Kelly has this plan to build his own house, and it's like a hobbit hole that he'll go live in, and he'll build it himself. It's not. It's not actually in the ground, but it's it's it's, it's bespoke, and it would look beautiful like a hobbit hole, right? Mm -hmm. And I just keep telling him, like, I don't think you understand the work you've got cut out for yourself. I okay, I understand the work. All I need to do is bake in a documentary about doing the work, and eventually it'll pay for itself. Right. That's it. Right. Yeah. It's an HD TV show right there. Is, is exactly Ryan, write me a pitch. <laughs> yeah, so Bing Crosby realizes, no, 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 I'll do this holiday in thing, I'll invite my old. Oh, f- we completely skipped over the breakup. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah, because Jim and Lila were engaged, mm-hmm. right? And then she was like, mm, nah. actually, I don't want to go to Connecticut and I don't want to quit the business, so instead of just continuing on. My own, the sensible thing to do is actually break off the engagement and pick up with your bestie, our former trio partner. Secretly engaged to Fred Astaire. Show people in this movie are so fickle and (laughs) dramatic. And I'm just like, what are you guys talking about? You're supposed to get married tonight. (laughs) This is like as though... It was you guys, and if one of your wives was like, nah, I don't actually want to like do this anymore, so I'm going to move over to this one. It's basically the same thing. How different could it be? You know? Like, well, the so difference confusing. is dancing and singing. Yeah. Right here. That's, right. We neither have any of those talents, so like we, we can't hey, even... Hey, speak for yourself. I can do both of those badly. Okay? <laughs> yes, I've seen both both done. You were at I my wedding. I would call it badly. <laughs> I would call it pretty good. But... Would you call Fred Astaire and Bing Crosby's their? I would call them frenemies. Yes, that's right. A great yeah, way to put it. because even when, um, like when Bing Crosby gets his heart broken and uh, is on his way out, which he doesn't really react to in any significant way. So I don't think he really cared that much about Lila in the first place. Yeah, but he when when he's like, ah, we're breaking up the band. He's he turns to Fred Astaire and he's like, hey, you know, we've we've had our hard times, we've had our good times. It seems like like that actually seems like a couple of people I know who have a really good working relationship, but aren't necessarily friends so much outside of work. They're just like, we're friends because we stay in the same hotels a lot, kind of. Yeah. And work together. Yes. Yeah. Like me and Ryan. No, we're best friends. (laughs) We're best friends. I love you. And now now Carrie is too. I mean, fast friends. It'll it'll happen soon. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm in already. I can't remember the order of operations, but we get the situation where the manager has to go and get a bunch of um, orchids. So he goes to the flower shop and he right. meets mm-hmm. an aspiring young entertainer lady. Linda. 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 And she, she's she got an angle. She's like, oh, let yeah. me go meet these guys. She has a white Christmas angle. She has here. a white yeah. Christmas angle. She's like, I can get in here. And uh, she basically... Gets it so that she goes to the big show where Bing and uh, Fred Astaire are doing their thing. Actually, Bing's just watching. He's not even doing anything. As far as meet cutes go, what do you guys what do you guys think of their sitting at a table, kind of awkwardly talking to each other? It's not really exciting, but maybe realistic. Well, she casually lies. She's like, "Oh, I know Fred Astaire. Yeah, <laughs> no, we're fast friends. We're we're buddies." Linda, she's exactly what you just said. She's got angles. She knows what she wants. She's mm-hmm. not gonna uh-huh. take no for that answer. And I feel like, doesn't she, like, pester? She pesters that agent so much? Yeah, the worst thing he can say is no. Right? The worst thing. Right, right, right. Now, 
So Robin and I always divide people up into chaos Muppets and order Muppets. You have Kermit the Frog is an order Muppet and you have like animal chaos Muppet, right? Yeah. And um, <laughs> Carrie's just a, like flabbergasted. No, I'm in. I'm, See, I'm, yeah, I want to know. We're big next. Frank Oz fans here. <laughs> um, so I feel like she is a chaos Muppet because she's like taking opportunities and she's she's like making stuff happen and she's fallen in love left and right. And same with Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire is like an even bigger chaos Muppet on the spectrum. He's much closer to animal. Whereas Bing Crosby in this show and same with Lila, Lila, they're all chaos Muppets. And then you have Bing Crosby. Who's like, I just want to put on. He's very Kermit. He's very uh, Kermit. Yeah. 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 I know. And it's hard to like, even when I was writing some notes on this, I couldn't write like, this is the good guy and this is the bad guy because that's not how it goes in this. It's kind of all over the place. Chaos Muppet is such a wonderful phrase. (laughs) I know, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Like it's like cellar door. It's just one of the other beautiful beautiful. phrases. Yeah. Uh, So they, they have their meet cute. She Mm -hmm. talks with Bing Crosby and Bing is kind of smitten with her. um, And he finds out that she's a, She's yeah, that she's a performer. He's like, oh, interesting. But then she like takes off because she realizes her lie is going to be totally destroyed when Fred Astaire comes over, and she doesn't actually know Fred Astaire. Good move on her part. That would have been way awkward. <laughs> I'm um, out. Yes. And then she ends up just out at the inn because she got uh, Bing's card, and basically they kind of have a, a cute thing where she, I like, I like how he like he auditions her at the piano, right, mm-hmm. and. I think they thread the needle really well because there's a lot of scenes in this and musicals, especially where they break the cognitive dissonance of like, this is a musical, but yet we're both singing in scene in worlds. And, and in this one, um, she, she's like listening to him sing this song that she's never heard before. And she's like, white Christmas. Yeah. It's not an American classic yet. I have no idea what you're talking about, but then (laughs) like he starts singing the second verse again and then starts feeding her lines. And, I'm like, okay, this really establishes the fact that you're extremely talented because not only do you harmonize, but you're also like picking up on the the melody really quickly and the like lyrics, but he's still feeding her lines. And so it feels more realistic than when somebody's like, got it. I can sing right. this song now. Right. Yes. I, I thought it was a romantic thing for him to like feed her lines in the gentle like crooner manner. It's like when you're feeding somebody strawberries or something, yeah, yeah, but like, musically. Take these lines. They're delicious. But I thought it was probably the sweetest rendition of White Christmas of him just being like, and then here's the next line. Do you think it's more sweet than when he when he sings to General Waverly in, um, remember when he like starts feeding General Waverly strawberries and White Christmas? And <laughs> That would have been a very different movie, but I think my wife would have been all in. Who... <laughs> Who has informed me that she's got a huge crush on General Wavery of White Christmas, so I will be having to cosplay as an old retired general later. Ryan, I think we call that something other than cosplaying. Oh, Wow. In the bedroom, it's not cosplayed. It's a different kind of playing, but... That's a unique uh, a unique crush. That That's a special, has. special it is. crush. Yeah, yeah I've you... not heard that before, actually, ever. <laughs> It's I the, guess, he's I the new, Sarah doesn't listen to this. But he's the new Silver Fox. Like, move over, George Clooney. It's he's General the old Silver Fox. Yeah. I think he was the OG Silver Fox. But we're not oh. talking about White Christmas. We're talking no. about the song White Christmas, 
But that right there, what you're saying, this is what, like, the white Christmas confusion that comes with Holiday Inn and the Mm -hmm. overlapping and just the fact that this is where that song premiered and this, like, it won the Oscar, right, for best song. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think most people either don't know that or then they confuse Holiday Inn with White Christmas, not only because of the song, but because of the the inn overlap, the Northeast Inn, and the two men and the two women and the song and dance of it all. It's, It's confusing. Well, I think part of that is because um, so this movie was conceived of as a review uh, by Irving Berlin because he's just like, I got all these songs and um, you're going to let me make a musical. He had like some contract where like they like the the studio couldn't even change the songs at all in the contract. Um, But then years later, when uh, Bing Crosby wants to make uh, White Christmas, it's technically I, I read this a lot of places based on Holiday Inn. He's like, I want to I want to do Holiday Inn, but better. Basically. Yeah, which is oh, a good do. idea. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> they did need a do-over for a lot of the material here, and White Christmas, pretty much all across the board, feels like a better version of this story. Yeah. Uh, are we tipping our hands right now? Well, let's not tip too much. Okay. Um, and and I think I think now's a good opportunity to talk about the movie at large and address the elephant in the room of the the harder difficulty in watching this movie because it features a very prominent blackface scene. And I think it needs to be addressed and sure. talked about, and we shouldn't act like what's not there because it's there. Um, Even Kelly, though it's edited out so often. Yeah. yeah. So um, actually, to that point, um, I watched. Where did you guys watch this movie? DVD. I bought a Blu-ray from a from Target. Um, Blu-ray from Target. Sorry, what? Where did you say, Carrie? I have a DVD of it. Oh, okay, great. So um, I'm the only person that watched this streaming-wise, um, and I took a picture. I don't know if this came up on yours, but this was on um, Apple TV and they had a um, NBC put like a, a disclaimer in front of it, which I really liked because it um, as I I did a huge amount of research into blackface for this particular um, episode. I took like a class on like how to teach about blackface in schools and like there's just. There's exhaustive amounts of research, not just about this movie, but like the time period. And if, if you're interested in, we'll, we'll link that stuff below. But um, this mo- movie um, on um, when it was like on TBS or any place that was selling a bunch of commercials, it would often edit it out. And the only place that street or that um, was on television that consistently played it with blackface was TMC. Um, cause turn of classic movies is like all about, you know, pres- preservation and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, on Apple TV, uh, the intro said this program includes racial and cur- cultural depictions that are outdated and offensive. Although these depictions do not represent the values of NBC universal, they have not been removed in the interest of presenting the original content and preserving history. This program is reflective of the time when it was made and serves as a reminder of the racism and prejudice that was once considered acceptable. And throughout my research of people who have like written about blackface and whether it should be completely just erased from history or whether it should be preserved and talked about, um, it's a resounding, let's talk about this, keep it in our history so that it doesn't keep cropping up. Because like 2017 was like this huge time period where it's like, ah, this... We saw that like in the 80s, this governor like had dressed up in blackface and like there were a bunch of like kids at parties doing it left and right. And a lot of that was because like that 
was shunted aside by like not only like the government but like people that were in restoration societies were like no no this never existed and so of course it crept its ugly head up again and was like oh this this is bad what are you talking about i have no educational like resource to point to right now and strangely there are a bunch of television episodes from the past 10 years that have blackface including community 30 rock and scrubs which Mm -hmm. all got delisted from their online platforms which for me i'm like i get it but like that you're deleting an entire episode because of this one scene and you know maybe we need to not delete the stuff but more talk about it like like this disclaimer says and uh, the one the one that got deleted that i saw a lot of people raise their eyebrows about was that episode of community where it was um ken jong like was dressed up as a dark elf yeah and and it so like blackface is actually very specific and let's talk about the scene here. And then I also want to make sure that we touch on um, Mamie, uh, Louise Beaver's character mm-hmm. so, uh, as well. So the structure of the film is it is review style where a lot of the sequences, it's just they're doing the different holidays. It's Holiday Inn. So mm-hmm. they're celebrating Lincoln's birthday, which is something I've never done. I don't know if you guys ever had <laughs> no, but like that. I, I looked this up and like at the time... Like this was looked at as a very progressive thing to do, which was like to celebrate emancipation through Lincoln's birthday. Yeah. And so on on that very, very small side of things, you're like, okay, I I see what you're doing here. That's cool. And so (laughs) to honor emancipation, they have the entire staff and performers don blackface and do a minstrel show in blackface. Right. Yikes. So, uh, yeah. So, Carrie, you is this a movie you watched really little growing up with your with your family? No. No, I it, think it, we just watched it in the last maybe like 5 years, 5 6 okay. years. Um I know my mom had obviously seen it prior because that's why she got the DVD and wanted to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um I I did I did think about that before we did this um podcast tonight when I was doing my notes earlier I was thinking like I what like I wrote in big what just giant w-h-a-t next to this <laughs> what I was like I think that when I'm talking about how oh we watch this every year I actually think it's on and my mom's really invested I probably am using that time to like text friends back and to you know like kind of oh yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I know you love this movie the way that you do maybe with with movies that you don't really love so much, but someone in your family does, or there's a lot of people there. You don't have to be the only person, you know, sure. engaging yeah. because it, I did. And I went back and I watched the trailer. I don't know if you guys watched the trailer or no, um, which you we see. sometimes do. Yeah. It's, I mean, I actually think there's a couple, but you could see it on YouTube and it's right there in, in the trailer too. And I was like, Oh wow. This is so, and here's the thing. I have a degree in musical theater. I have a musical theater background talking about blackface was a part of my curriculum in school in a way that I don't think most people have because you're not studying musicals of, you know, a ton of other decades. And, right. Um, and so it's not like, for me, I think like having the conversations and having, keeping it in movies, I agree, is a better way to, to do it as long as there is the disclaimer and the yeah, educational sure. resources. Like if you could have not only just a disclaimer, but also from NBC or from wherever, here are these resources that you can, you know, if you want to pursue this further, here is this, you know, um, 
website. Go to this, you know, they can put together websites where they can put together links to other places. Um, but no, we did not watch it as a, as a small child. Um, but I'm sure there are people who watch it with yeah. their small children. I, I saw it when I was um, around six years old or so. And I asked, I was like, so ma- mainly I was like, is, is that mom and dad, is that Bing Crosby? Because I didn't like, I kind of like that was his voice coming from him, but he looked so different. Uh, right. Because Bing, basically, Bing dresses up as like, like the the trope is um, like the houseman uh, trope, where it's like he has a uh, a wig on and coattails and a top hat, and like blackface to give like a, a history um, was mainly used in uh, minstrel shows that started in the eighteen thirties. And it's so complicated. Like I like doing doing my research on it is so absolutely complicated. The history of it because like I'll, like it was mainly done by white people as caricaturing black culture. Um, but then like once the 1860s hit post Civil War, it's also like a ton of black actors were also doing blackface because it was the only really way they could get work. And, um, the, like, there's just, it's fascinating if you like, we're not the podcast to really do a huge deep dive into this, but, um, I highly recommend checking out Raylan Barnes's, um, class on this. Um, it's called, uh, a dangerous unselfishness, which is a reference to Martin Luther King understanding and teaching the complex history of blackface. But um, when I remember when I was uh, watching this, my parents like didn't know how to talk about it. Um, they were just like, yeah, so they don't do this anymore. But back in the day, like it was kind of acceptable for somebody to do this. And like that was the extent I got <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, like it's 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 a hard, very complex issue to like explain to a child because yeah. it's like steeped in in like uh, over 150 years of racism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but l- like, yeah, I don't know. I am. It's completely unnecessary and I don't, I don't know. What else do you guys want to say about it? Yeah. I hate that the song's catchy cause I caught myself singing it in <laughs> right. the kitchen Oh no! and I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> no, there's so many other to choose from. Just let that one go. Yeah. It does put a, it puts a little bit of a damper. No, it puts a big damper on the movie <laughs> as a whole. Um, and I think probably as, or I would hope is why it's not as popular as a lot of other, um, you know, movies like this. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's not something that I think, you know, many viewers, at least again, I would hope it's, it's hard to speak for groups of people, but I would hope most people are not looking for, to enjoy something like that in, in a movie, whether they see this as a Christmas movie or not, um, yeah, it's. I'm. I do think it should be in. I don't think you know. I don't think it should be taken out. And I feel that way about a lot of historical um, things mm-hmm. in old movies. But I do think again there should be some something, some resources, yeah. or even your parents trying to say like, yeah. oh, it's this thing. That's that's even better than I can imagine. My answer would have been like New Jersey Italian. Like it is what it is. You know, like I I feel like. Hey, don't even worry about it. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, kids even more now are just so much more aware and have different curiosities right. and questions. And it's important parents have those answers. I, I think this is a, a good point in time to bring up uh, Louise Beavers, who is um, she plays uh, a role, uh, the role of Mamie, who is the um, house 
she's the cook and she's, she's kind of the caretaker she does everything she, yeah and she has a couple kids there too now Mamie I will point out is a minstrel character that's literally called a, a Mamie character um, so she's very caricatured in this role as well but um, I would highly recommend you like anybody out there who's interested in this actor to go watch Imitation of Life which is a film that was made um, like six or seven years before this which was the first film in which a black actor, let alone a black actress, was um, given her own like storyline in a movie. She still played a servant character, which is like a role that she was typecast in for forever. But um, it's it's a very it's a very interesting role and a meaty role for somebody who like it, it rarely ever happened in that time period. So that's Louise Beavers. And I'm, the last thing I'm going to say about this scene is that they she's like the the worst part of that scene to me is that she's not singing <laughs> out there she's back in the kitchen singing to her kids right and it's yucky but i think we can maybe put a pin in it well, after this unless you guys want to do closing thoughts all i want to say on it is it's i think the reason why we still watch this movie is that you have to do the mental gymnastics of being like this is completely wrong, but I can kind of see why you thought it was a good idea, but you are still completely wrong to do it because it's like, like, are you talking about story wise? Yeah, because they're like, oh, look, we're yeah. we're we're honoring Lincoln and we're honoring emancipation. It's like this is the most like looking back. It's like this is the most ignorant thing you could possibly do. <laughs> and they cut. Didn't they cut? I could be wrong here, but didn't they create something for Labor Day and then later cut it? Like that's that, the that one they picked to cut. Yeah, but I, I, think, I mean, <laughs> there's so many others. <laughs> but I they, think they could have cut this one. You know what I mean? Like what what I got out of it is like I feel like they were being like, look how noble we're being about like race, and look how great yeah, we're being about totally. it. And it's like, no, bro. And and I think it looks so much worse compared to other movies that do this because another Fred Astaire movie has blackface, which is Swing Time. Swing Time. Um, which is an homage to Mr. Bojangles, the entertainer. And it's just kind yeah. of like also bad, also not acceptable. You can't just call it an homage and make it okay. Right. The, I mean, the only good thing about that is more people found out about Robinson afterwards as a dancer. Right. Um, but besides that, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so the whole reason why this even takes place is because on new year's Eve, Fred Astaire shows up at the inn, super drunk and in one of, I think, one of my favorite dance sequences, maybe not of all time, but it's just like, it's such a fun dance sequence. He's so drunk because Lila broke up with him. And ran off with a, a Texan. A Texas millionaire. Texas millionaire. Right, <laughs> right before they were supposed to get married. Again. Classic. Lila has some issues. <laughs> oh my gosh. This whole friend group has issues. Um And so he shows up drunk and dances with Linda. And it's a great dance sequence. Like Fred Astaire is so absolutely light on his feet. And yeah. so is so is Linda. Uh, I'm sorry. What is um, Reynolds? What is her name? Marjorie Reynolds? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so in order to hide her, because Bing, Bing Crosby doesn't want um, her stolen away like Lila was, he doesn't give her a chance. He's like, I'm going to hide her by putting her in blackface for the next sequence. And so that's, that's story-wise <laughs> how they try out, to make like, it in. God, stop. <laughs> and the best part, 
the absolute best worst part of this movie is afterwards uh they they try to find um like they're they're searching for linda because like there's this sequence of like them looking like the the manager and ted looking for linda that night and they can't find her because she's in blackface and then at the end of the night um What's the next holiday? Is it? It's not April Fools. Oh, it's it's Washington's Washington. birthday. They're like, hey, yeah. why don't we do Washington? Bing Crosby's like, hey, why don't we do Washington's birthday in blackface too? And both Robin and I were like, no, no, Bing, don't, no, don't, don't do it. Oh my god. <laughs> and I feel like Ted, um, Fred Astaire, like looks at Bing afterwards. He's like, no, bro, no, I don't know, I don't think so, dude. No, he's just <laughs> yeah. like, bro, it's no good. Huh? Just an idea I had. Well. Why? We already uh, did it this year. Let's save it for next year. <laughs> yeah, so let's the, save it for never. The movie Kelly. I was talking to Kelly about this yesterday before I rewatched the movie, and he's like, "Yeah, there's not a lot of story to talk about, but I'll let you rewatch and get to it." Because basically, the conceit is Bing is hiding um, Linda from Fred Astaire as as long as he can because he knows. Uh, because Fred Astaire doesn't know who she is because he was so wasted when they were having their dance, but it was like, oh, the, this is the new partner that Fred Astaire's got to have. And, you know, what I really like about this movie is that this is without, this is a Fred and Ginger movie without Ginger because it's so much like a Fred and Ginger plot. And this yeah. director, Mark Sandrich, mm-hmm. had directed other Fred and Ginger movies. So it's a Fred and Ginger yeah. movie plus being minus Ginger. Yeah. Have you guys seen uh, Easter Parade with Julie, Judy Garland? Mm-hmm. It's uh, I mean, it's basically the same thing. I, I mean, it was made after this movie. It's got Fred Astaire and Judy Garland. And it's like, we're going to do a bunch of musical numbers. And also it's going to happen on Easter. And so we're going to have a couple of Easter moments pop up. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty flimsy. Well, the best musicals, I would say, are the ones that are kind of review style. Like Singing in the Rain it's there's not a lot going on there's there's, there's like more though there's more of it's a definitely more it's definitely yeah. more but they're like uh putting together a show and their big sequence has nothing to do with the story that they're telling they're like let's just show them what the show is going to be like gotta dance, gotta dance. sure but amidst that they're also talking about hollywood yeah they're like there's actual chemistry between gene kelly and debbie reynolds yeah the yeah no you're you're not wrong <laughs> yeah uh, yeah so he, Fred Astaire finds her, and I really like Bing's playing this song, and he's singing to her, but behind him, Fred Astaire is two-timing his frenemy and just dancing along with her. Which... And also moves in. He, he, <laughs> yeah. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to stay here permanently so that I can figure out how to steal your girl again. So can I stay here for free at your inn that you went to go run? Uh, mm-hmm. That right there gets me every time. Like, can, can I ask, Carrie? Can I ask you a theater question right now? Yeah. Okay. So um, when when he swoops her up, it's Valentine's Day rehearsal, right? Mm-hmm. He starts dancing with her uh, behind Bing Crosby's back, and then like throughout the sequence, he's like wooing her, and she's like, "Oh yeah, this is great." And then they fucking burst through a <laughs> heart, a paper mache heart that probably wow. took forever to make. <laughs> I and just imagine the theater text just like. Oh man! That took five hours to make, and and I just thought as a, like as a theater person, did that did that hurt a little bit? To like physically, do I think it hurt them or watching it? No, me? no, watching it oh. like because <laughs> no. for me, I, okay. <laughs> now that so then that makes sense to me because you're 
you're an actor yeah. and you know you're like I'll, I'll ruin sets left and right it doesn't matter Kelly the production designer is like no 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 I I have I have worked too often as an art director yeah. or production designer where I'm just like hey that was for tonight yeah now we have to make a whole new one why are you doing this it's like when actors drink or eat in their costumes oh, in theater uh, totally and there's like eyes boring in from every angle because you gotta use those straws yes or you know put you put your coat on over it you change out of your clothes mm. like but i know that does make sense from your from your perspective that you were like why <laughs> why are you doing this and i'm did just they... like it's a valentine's day number <laughs> did, did they have stuff like that when you were doing your um when you were doing um Fiddler. why am i thinking traditions i'm the it's, it's the Fiddler. song yeah, yeah. Um, when you were touring Fiddler, did they have stuff that was like breakable on set, or was it pretty permanent as you're going from location to location? I can't remember. So I don't know if you know much about Fiddler, but there's a very famous bottle dance oh, where right. all the men dance with glass bottles on their heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and it was pretty rare that one would drop. These were exceptionally talented dancers, mm-hmm. um, many of them from lots of different Broadway companies of it, and uh, just really, really talented. Occasionally, one would drop. You know, there are things that happen. Um, and so that that's a real thing that would chatter. But there was 8,000 of them with us on tour. Right. Uh, you know, we had like two large trucks for all of the all of the things. I just imagine everything. one truck for just the bottles. Like, I, that's imagine. how I would hope it to be. It's like, I'm the bottleman. Don't bother no. me. These are very important. There's a lot of bubble wrap. It was definitely the first time I realized the crew in theater are mm-hmm. the heroes of theater that they are there before everyone they stay there after everyone's gone they figure out in real time the problems that are happening like sometimes if there was a mechanical issue you know and the house wouldn't mechanically move into the set well what do you do you need the house like what you know what do you do about that or um even just you know swinging someone out in the middle if someone suddenly really didn't feel well or there was some crazy thing that happened and someone had to like step into their understudy or their swing role um they're the ones who figure all of that out you know mm-hmm. so yes i i could imagine bursting a set piece like if i had <laughs> burst through i don't know tevius cart that he has and threw the milk cans everywhere and <laughs> just just destroy all the wood just destroy all are the you wood. the kool-aid man <laughs> <laughs> um or you know even just tear a costume right like right those things really do happen and i i feel like mm-hmm. the people who maybe do those things don't have long careers <laughs> i so you just said burst through Tevia's cart and it made me think uh, since we were talking about Gilmore Girls when Kurt was playing Tevia in mm. Gilmore Girls and he's like Lou, we've got a problem. Yeah, what is it, Kirk? Well, this dairy cart you made me. Yeah, what's wrong with it? It pulls too easily and and the wheel doesn't wobble. So what? Well, it's too good. You built me a 21st century dairy cart. There's no such thing as a 21st century dairy cart. Exactly. Look, Tevia's a poor man. I mean, you've heard the song. Yes, I've heard the song, Kirk. Okay, so he's poor, he's tired, he's suffering and his horse is lame. His life is hard, so pulling this cart should be hard. You're an actor. Pretend it's hard. I'm not that kind of actor. For my type of work, it has to be legitimately hard. There you go. Remember to thank me in your acceptance speech. Thank you, Luke. (laughs) I love that episode, and if you watch Gilmore Girls, which word on the street is you guys watch Gilmore Girls. Oh, yeah. We know of it. (laughs) Um, the amount of Fiddler on the Roof uh, references throughout all seven seasons yes. is a ton. She must have loved Fiddler it's, on the Roof. It's 
both Fiddler and Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. like post third season, once an episode, Robin and I have calculated it out at least through fifth season, once an episode, there's a Lord of the Rings reference. Mm-hmm. Love and it. those little nods, because this is before streaming, so they weren't thinking that people were going to watch these episodes over and over and over. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. you know, my very, very first job was opposite Sally Struthers. And that was yeah, when she was still that. playing Babette. Oh. Um, it was like the last Darling. Jeez. Yes. <laughs> Um, so, um, what's what's Ted's character's name? Ted Rooney's. Um, oh yeah, Maury? we worked with uh, Maury. We work with Maury. We see um, Maury all the time because he's he based in there. Portland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've worked do? on a couple projects with him. Yeah, he's, he's the best. really really nice. I remember I I was working as an AD once and I forgot to have him sign some paperwork and he met me at Maplewood Coffee because oh, he's like, wow. oh yeah, it's cool. I'll take care You're of like, it. Like, oh, such my a nice God. guy. Get in here. That's so great that he still works. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He's oh my he, he mainly he mainly does local stuff. I know he goes to LA every once in a while. Um, anyways, Sorry. Holiday Inn. <laughs> Let's focus, guys. Focus on the movie. <laughs> Irving Berlin's <laughs> Holiday Inn. So, the rest of the movie is Fred Astaire literally trying to sweep Marjorie Reynolds off her feet and be like, it's "Marry antics. me." Yeah. It's all freaking antics. Yeah. From here on out. Yeah, and and they do they leave right that she she is like finally eventually gotten. Yeah. She swept off her feet. Yeah, and then we get to the point where it's the character of Mamie, isn't it? Who uh, has the actual like sound yeah. mind and the yeah. voice of reason in this movie. The trouble ain't with that turkey, Mr. Jim. It's you. Oh, I feel all right. I'm riding high, baby. Well, why you close the inn and sit around like a jellyfish with the misery? Because a slicker stole your gal, and you ain't got fight enough to get her back. Oh. Excuse me, Mr. Jim, but... Well, I tried to keep her here. What kind of keeping is that? Nothing but tricks. If you went to Hollywood and told Miss Linda how much you loves her and misses her and told her that the way a lady likes to hear it told, I'll bet you she'd be the quickest ex-movie star that ever exed. You're crazy, Mamie. I'm crazy. I knows Miss Linda. I knows her like I knows my own kids. Why, she ain't the fancy type no more than you are. What she wants is what you got right here. But women has to have them things told to them the right way. You could melt her heart right down to butter if you'd only turn on the heat. Be a little bit of a chaos method. Yeah, be yeah, more animal. Yeah. Like, leave and... me here at the end. I got this. <laughs> You and should go be a person. Let let me please deal with the trauma you've inflicted upon me with the, your horrible shit. Yes, yeah. perfect. And Bing's like, okay. And he goes and he gets her. And gosh, I can't remember what was happening. I was I was I was probably on my third glass of wine last night, so it, it gets a little fuzzy. <laughs> he, she, last... he goes to he goes to L.A. walks onto set, ruins the last take of the day. That's right. right. And the two of them kiss, and then she does a rendition of White Christmas. Yeah, she's singing White Christmas, which, you know, is a throwback to the year before. Because this is a mm-hmm. whole year this right. movie takes right. place. And he bursts onto set and joins her singing. And she's like, how can I resist this grand gesture of love? And then they end up together and the other two end up together. And we see them on New Year's Eve back at the inn. Everyone performing. Fred like, not again. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Waka waka. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the end right there. Waka waka. That's it. Um so uh <laughs> just fuzzy we, we, bear comes on flaming out <laughs> we 
Well, we didn't talk about like the rest of the musical numbers because there's like six or seven more musical yeah. numbers in this. Um, what's your guys' favorite? What's your favorite like dance or um, musical bit that they do? I like the drunk dance a lot. Yeah, um, it's very good. And he was really drunk, which I did not know until I was really things up. Yeah, that he did. What? Yeah, so he took, Fred Astaire took um, a few shots of bourbon before they did the first take and then every subsequent take after he took another shot. And so this was the seventh take according to the the people who wrote these facts out right that, according to lore so that would have been 10 shots of uh bourbon that he had in him good for him so even though like he technically wasn't like fully drunk you know who knows he's a skinny man he was saucy he is yeah so he's drunk in it is really the, <laughs> the point of it i'm gonna i'm gonna highly recommend that actors or dancers don't do that fred astaire yeah. is an extreme professional let's have a safe set <laughs> yeah. everybody let's I not don't get think wasted if i had 10 shots of anything uh, of water, I'd, I'd have to go to the bathroom. Yep. Yeah, apple juice could really do me in. You know all that sugar. Yeah. So yeah, I do like that, and I like the firecracker dance, which I also think oh, yes. shouldn't do. Yes, yes, the firecracker that, dance is awesome, but that also took three, dangerous. Three days to get. Um, oh my god! Just that one scene. That's so we were watching that Kelly and Sarah was watching with me, and she's like, "That that's something Kelly would do." <laughs> the firecracker dance, dance with like, firecrackers. Yeah, I, I mean, I. I don't. I, I I would do it with a with a couple of professionals there to put or me, a couple shots. <laughs> yeah, to, well, to pour some water on me. But also watching bad. the drunk dance, I'm like, why does he remind me of Kelly so much right now? There's something about sober Kelly is like drunk Fred Astaire. It's because I'm live. Yeah, That's it. and I like bouncing around a bit. Yeah. Um, I I those are my favorite as well. Um, the the craziest one besides the Abraham scene, I think, is. Uh, this movie had um, a little bit of USO money going towards it um, oh. for the Navy. Like they were trying to help sell Navy bonds with this film. And so when when they do the 4th of July day, there's like this big propaganda film. Because this, this movie was made in 1942. And so they're like, you know, hurrah, hurrah, USA. We we have the greatest army in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's just weird watching it in retrospect. It's like fine, but it's like... It's really weird to see them watch a movie that is a propaganda film. I don't I don't know. I, I think it's movie. weirder when Carrie Elwes tells me in a Christmas for a castle Christmas time, he's like, uh-huh. I do everything green energy. And he looks at the camera is like, remember kids, recycle. <laughs> I, I don't know. I I think it's weirder this way, but you know, whatever. It's also older, so I don't know if we need either. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't I don't know how mandated it was of like Paramount was like, hey, you got to sell war bonds to make sure you get really patriotic or if they were just kind of like wanting to help because they probably were like feeling bad that they're in this cozy Hollywood backlot and not on the front lines fighting World War II. They're like the least they could do is do this thing of like, hey, maybe help out our the GIs. Well, actually, Bing Crosby was mainly on USO tours. Um, um, so like he was he was steeped in it. But Paramount was it was like a top down decision. There was another song called America the beautiful it's not america is super great but it's, it was it was basically that where um they i don't it's rumored that they filmed it but they were just like we can't make this so star-spangled mm. awesome right now mm. um that's the labor day one yeah oh. that, that yeah. must be the labor day that one. was the yeah. one that they cut and this makes a lot of sense because i saw that they auctioned off the f- yes. firecracker yeah. shoes or the some the shoes cool. yeah the shoes and, I and the laces i didn't put together why they auctioned them off for bonds yeah, it was just because it was right in the middle of World War II. That makes sense. History. Yeah. History yeah. lesson. <laughs> yeah. um, 
let's let's keep let's keep the Abraham Lincoln stuff. That can't go. But let's this Labor Day stuff. No, 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 no. It's gotta go. <laughs> that was a real conversation. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, those are the things that make your eyes kind of twirl in your head. Yeah. Speaking of eyes twirling, um, I say we throw uh, we spin on over to Trope Talk and uh, come back after a minute. Yep. And welcome back to Trope Talk. It's like block talk, but with less directors telling you what to do. <laughs> like like blocking. Right. Like blocking. Because Carrie is a performer. She's done. She's gone through blocking. And Carrie, we're really sorry you had to go through that. We're both dads. I'm so sorry. Had to be like, done. We, we just have to joke. Okay. okay. It's okay. With I block like talk. Okay. Kelly, what is block our trope talk. this week? Our trope this week is reviews or the jukebox musical as they have become known over the years mm-hmm. so this is this is a jukebox music well it's kind of a jukebox musical it's more a jukebox danceical because it's really about the dance numbers that we're getting a review of right um but this is and, this be is being exploited for jukebox musicals such as white christmas the movie that uses the song white christmas from holiday inn right and carrie do you want to describe basically what a jukebox musical is jukebox musical would be like a bunch of songs either from the same era or the same type, you know, like love songs or uh, even sometimes the same artist, like when the Beatles had like that show in, in Vegas or the, oh, the Elvis jukebox. Or yeah, Mamma um, Mia. Mm-hmm. Um, or Jersey Boys or um, the Elvis one. That's like, it has a different name, but it's all the songs of... Hound Dog. Hound Dog, right? Is that what it's Sure. Called? I mean, that's an Elvis song. An Elvis sure. by any I'll, other I'll name. And then the plot is basically patched in around this set of songs. Yeah. Now, the only other one that we've done besides White Christmas on this show is Moulin Rouge, which I think is one of the great modern examples of a jukebox musical. Whether you love it or hate it, Ryan, um, <laughs> it's definitely one that I think pushes the boundaries about like it's it's less about like let's just do all these songs and more trying to like squish the song and the plot together right a little bit more okay. just because it, it's really pulling from all eras even though they're all love songs yeah what's your what's your contention then i would almost rather see that than what i saw in this movie where the plot almost has it doesn't have nothing to do with these because these are all songs about holidays i guess but do we need a song about George Washington? <laughs> no. no, which is why we don't it sing feels, it anymore. <laughs> it feels manufactured or or what it feels like a little bit is like um, Irving Berlin is like, it's time for me to get mine, guys. <laughs> I've written a lot of great songs and then I'll, I'll fill in the blanks here for whatever holidays you want to do. But as as great of a writer as he is, um, like sometimes I feel like reviews can feel like that where it's like, I'd, I'd love to go see this in person, but I, for some reason it feels weirder to watch a, a story about it. Yeah. And I'm, there's certain people I'm okay with reviews of, of like, I don't mind if it's just an hour of Fred to start dancing and <laughs> just <keep laughs> giving me an excuses. Just like, and now there's this dance number. And there were other movies that were just that, where it was just like, I think the Broadway melody movies were just, they just had numbers just kind of compiled. Is that, is that what Zigfield Follies is? Maybe. I don't know. Dancing. Okay. Yeah. Just dancing. But this yeah. one, this movie felt like a clip show. Like, remember when sitcoms used to do that where it was just like 
the characters being like, man, remember all the hijinks we got into? And it just showed clips from other episodes like of on that Friends. show. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's always like, the it's like worst episode. Week off yeah. That week or something because they only have to shoot one or two days versus doing like, you know, five or six days that week. And I think the song that most felt like that was Easter Parade because the the context for this scene is Bing Crosby and um, and Marjorie Reynolds get into a buggy. She has a bonnet on and he sings at her <laughs> and they go in a circle and then end up back at the inn. <laughs> Nothing else happens. And there's no other context except it's like. Like it introduces uh, Fred Astaire back to the inn and he's like sitting there with a shit eating grin. He's like, hey, guys. But besides that, it's just so that Bing Crosby can be like, let me show off. Let me show these dulcet tones off. Yeah. Yeah. And like make eyes at Marjorie the whole time. They were like, this is a good song. We should put it in a movie. Here's a good spot. Do you guys think (laughs) that a good musical, one of the rules, maybe not a hard rule, but a a rule that you should try to hold yourself to is that a musical sequence should further the story? Do you guys think that's a tenet that should happen? Either character or story. I think it should have to do one or the other. What do you think, Carrie? Yeah, I think nine times out of ten. Can you have the one fun number that maybe doesn't have anything to do with it, but gets the audience back awake after something or, you know, um, shifts the energy after a challenging scene or something. Ooh, do you have, do you have an example of that? Um, uh, the only thing that comes to mind (laughs) is, uh, Lin-Manuel's middle child, the bring it on musical where I don't know I don't know what just happened but um, wait a minute hold on I'm sorry bring it on the cheerleaders yes are you yeah that's on Broadway no I'm I'm only familiar with In the Heights and in Hamilton now thanks to Kelly got me into it but I did not know that he good morning (laughs) you're snobby (laughs) but I didn't he did bring it on he did a bring it on show yes so after In the Heights his next Broadway musical was bring it on all um, right. And that was being put together while I was in Fiddler. And so it was my first Broadway callback, which I wow. loved, really, really loved because I was a cheerleader for an extremely long time. Fun. Now, were you on were you being tossed in the pyramids or were you like middle no, tier or low? I would do like spotting and mm-hmm. I really liked the dancing and the performing of it. But I didn't like the hurtling yourself around part. Sure. Which is why you're still alive today. That's right. That's right. And listen, <laughs> I was the first ever seventh grade cheerleading captain ever in my town. So Blamo. Take you so much. Was that in your your auditions? That was like, your CV. Um you guys should have seen me in seventh grade. So <laughs> no, it, it actually was on my resume at that point. Ten ten plus years of, of cheerleading. Yes. I mean, yes, if you're yes. auditioning for Bring It On, it has it to be. It still should be. It has to be. That's right. So there's a bit in the show where the audience oh. is getting a little sleepy at the... You know, there's a few... You should really give it a listen sometime. There's a few songs where you might be like... You mean the same guy who wrote, he wrote In the Heights and Hamilton and then he, and he did, wrote this? Did bring it on. No. Okay. But actually, there's a lot of like good stuff. And I really like singing a lot of the songs. It's very fun and energetic. But there is one part where the girl who plays the school mascot has... It's either her own song or a section of a song that's kind of like... That character didn't have enough elsewhere and so you're giving them a little feature you know make it laugh make it laugh is this yeah that has nothing to do with anything it's so great and it's a really great scene but it's it doesn't forward a character or plot element of the movie it's just let's watch donald o'connor be fucking fantastic for a little while yeah that's great yeah 
No, wait. I had one question about Bring It On, though. I'm sorry. I, I, I want to move back to Bring It On and camp up for a little bit. <laughs> Let's stay there. Do, do they? Well, bring your question on. Do right? they do? Do they do the Lin Manuel Miranda rap talking where it's like Aaron Burr, sir? Have you met her? There's a little bit of of rapping from the mascot. A little All bit. All right. Um, and there's a little bit of like the rhythmic element we come to know from from Lin, um, the inner rhymes mm-hmm. and. I think in a way he used that to define the like inner city school a little bit more versus the kind of melodic tunes he wrote for um, what was supposed to be like the rich kids school. Sure. Um, And there are, you can, you can see a lot of his, his kind of go-to things that we know now in that for sure. Well, I like, I like that kind of division because um, it's fun to see, like Lynn Lynn is obviously a master wordsmith, mm-hmm. but it's um it's cool to see him do some orchestration like amidst that as well. Yeah. So I think I want to check out this music. And I think that um oh my gosh, the word is escaping me right now and I can feel my degree crumbling. Um <laughs> They're gonna take it away if you can't remember. Leitmotif. So the oh, leitmotif yeah. um element I think comes into play too because we hear a lot of the same kind of repetitive things and that identifies yeah these girls are so tough and Mm. uh, you know this girl hasn't had to like fight a day in her life and um and yes they really did cheerlead and a lot of the cast were they went and like recruited cheerleaders from southern schools nice um and they had you know i think you'd be interested in terms of like the way they had to change the heights of things to do stunts you know properly and like the where everything was above and the rafters and the the curtains and stuff so yeah it's pretty neat I am going to bet $1,000. No, not $1,000. I don't have $1,000 to bet. But I would bet that they're going to do a movie musical version of Lin-Manuel Miranda's version of this. And they're going to make a movie of it because they, they're on the Lin-Manuel well, Miranda train Hollywood is these days. Well, the you mean, think they're going to do that? I think like, probably not. because It's Reboot been, City. Yeah. It's always I'll, it's If you're going to bet $1,000, I'll, I'll take no, that I, right I, now because there's already a movie and there's a musical. I don't think they're going to do it. Maybe they will do. Hang on. Disney Plus, a streaming TV show that is... Oh, where they do it live? It's a musical uh, TV show about cheerleaders, loosely based on Bring It On. Yeah, and Lin-Manuel Miranda will I gotta write that down. I need to make a phone call immediately. (laughs) Yeah, you need to make that pitch. (laughs) Where's where's the Bug Juice reality show about musical cheerleaders? We need to see that. Where is Bug Juice in general? I know. I think it's on Disney Plus. I think it's on there. Not the, like the very not the real show. Yeah. Anyways, Holiday Inn. Speaking of bug juice, uh, <laughs> I did like speaking of leitmotif. I like White Christmas doubles that like you hear the melody of White Christmas all the time in this movie, and then you hear yeah. it all the time in White yeah. Christmas, White Christmas. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like getting just everyone like oh oh that's coming the song I love that song. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty good. I think you know. When I look at a lot of the holiday movies that come out now, I'm not talking about the like TV ones. I'm talking about holiday movies that maybe come out on Netflix or go to theaters. There is mm-hmm. something, even with all of the flaws of Holiday Inn and all the things that we wish did not occur and all of the, is there a plot? Is there going to be a plot questions? Um, I do think that there is something to be said for the era of musicals and the quality of the performances, um, yes. you know, and obviously we know like Marjorie's voice was dubbed, right? But it's mm. still a beautiful voice and the dancing is unmatched. And the idea of like, 
you know, studios having their people and just working with the same people over and over. Those things to me are always going to be more appealing than what did Netflix release this? The Castle for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Or Lo- Love Hard Got Me. Is that what it's called? Love, uh, Love Hard. Yeah, yeah, with Nina Dobrev. Yeah. yeah, I was watching that and I was thinking about White Christmas and I was thinking about Holiday Inn. I was, I was like, what happened? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think the main thing that what happened is that Netflix can make so many of these, well, Netflix or Hallmark, uh, they can make so many of these as very small, cheap films. And so much money and power was behind, and talent. Like, like you have two, I mean, including Irving Berlin, like three extremely talented individuals taking care of the music and the dance for this movie. Yeah. And you want to see that more often. You want to see trust given to like, like some people might say it's just a holiday movie, but they didn't used to be just holiday movies. They used to carry like mm-hmm. uh, white Christmas as a song because of the movie white Christmas was one of the, num- it was the number one selling song until 1997 when uh, candle in the wind took it over. And like that comes from a lot of money and talent going into something. And I don't know. Ryan and I always lament that on this podcast when we watch something like A Castle for Christmas, where it's like, you guys had all the elements. You just didn't care enough and didn't put enough money and didn't put enough like effort into like redoing the script a little bit. And- well, and talent as a whole, you know, something that took me a long time to accept is that talent as a whole does not have really anything to do with, with this job. And, mm. um, you know, I always want to be like, except I am really talented, you know? And yeah, yeah of course, sure. I have a lot of talent. A lot of people have a lot of talent, but it really doesn't have that much to do with it anymore. And that for me is, I think where the the shift happened, it's more of um, seat filling and connections and um, people's children and um, TikTok now, you know, and I, know. I do think <laughs> that bubble's going to burst at some mm-hmm. point. I really do, especially with the, the musicals and movies coming back. I think when watching this movie, I, I have the same sentiment because I know a lot of people like this movie, but a movie like La La Land, I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm like, they can't sing or dance. And people that are like, that's so the much. point. I'm like, no, you don't understand. They can't sing or dance. And we, why would we do this if we can just go watch Fred Astaire dance? Like, mm-hmm. that's so much better than this. Or even people yeah. now, there are people who are, I mean unbelievably talented on Broadway and unbelievably talented really in schools and in, in places of worship all over the country and voices and dancing like you could not imagine. And instead we're watching like Addison Rae in a, (laughs) in a Netflix reboot of she's all that. Like that is just there. It has to at some point burst. It has to, because we can't keep, it's so sad that there's so many amazingly gifted dancers who can't, you know, pay rent. We run into that all the time. Like I, at my last job, I worked in the movie theater industry and like I would see screeners all the time and like the promo material is like, oh, well, the cast has, you know, collectively this many followers. So this movie's going to do really well for you. And the movie's shit. And we're just like, no, it's not. This movie yeah. sucks. No one's going to go. it doesn't do well. Right. We, uh, I, I was working on a, a feature like all the way back in 2017 and our lead actress was had had hadn't been in anything else but she was on instagram and she had like 
120,000 followers or something. And like, I talked to the producer and he's like, yeah, we just needed people to come see this movie. (laughs) And so this was how we thought we'd make that happen. Yeah. And boy, nobody went to see that movie. It's in casting too. It's in breakdowns a lot. It'll say like, if your client is notable, you know, on Instagram, how many followers do they have? Um, what kind of social media? And that was something after knives, I was like inundated with, Mm. um, offers and opportunities. Um, and I had a hard time only going with things that really felt very, very few things. Like I was like, you know, yes to super Yaki sending me a t-shirt about the movie that I'm in, uh, of course, yeah. you know, and those They're are such great. incredible people. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and the podcasts and the things like that, but I still am asked a lot. Well, why do you only have like, you know, however many followers? And I think it's because I don't want to be an, if I want to be an influencer, I'd be an influencer. Mm-hmm. And right. I don't. You're, you're spending all of that time doing influencing rather than art on <laughs> your craft. And a lot of people, a lot of my friends included, um, and people I know have, who have left the industry have stepped into influencing. And I see the connection and the content creation. I'm not saying it's not hard work. It's very hard work. It's sure. a different job. And so I know that there's this idea that it's going to lead them maybe back to acting, but it's actually not going to get them to maybe where they could have gone if they just stayed focused on making really good projects and, and art. I mean, there's no one answer, right? They're not right. I'm not right. They're not wrong. I'm not wrong. It's just like what feels right in your gut. Um, and I would really like the money. I'm not going to lie to you, but, um, I don't, my, my dream about social media is one day being Adam driver, right? Like that's what I would We all aspire to be Adam driver. Listen, I got to watch Adam throughout his years at Juilliard. And that's how I got into Juilliard. My ex was in his class. And so I got to watch him like over those years before he existed. I don't know if you know this, but he was also in the Star Wars movies. So you can see him there. I don't know. I'm not, I know. I have this one memory of uh, one night going to meet Ryan for dinner and Adam had just left like two seconds before me. And I remember being like, oh, we could have talked about the Juilliard things I saw him in. Like, that's my, that's my preference. Not, Do you want to talk about Juilliard? It's like, thank God. I don't want to talk about Star Wars anymore. Yes. Let's talk about Juilliard. No, this, this podcast friends has, we have covered the gamut a lot of ground yeah including irving berlin's holiday inn (laughs) i I say let's get even more off topic then and ryan do you want to talk about any letters that we might have this week hey flo huh mail come got mail for you oh pete you've got mail you sent me a letter you've got mail yes i do um, okay, a very important letter. Um, maybe maybe Carrie can also speak to this. Carrie, did you watch A Castle for Christmas, the Netflix film with okay. Carrie Elwes? And oh. um, do you know about this film? Yes. Okay. Are you going to watch it? We might Probably. spoil it. Yeah. It's okay. You can you right. can spoil it. It spoils itself. Trust you. You know. You know how it is. You movie. already know. Don't how worry. It ends. You know. Yeah. Um. I mean. You know, our TLDR of the movie is, it's not a very good movie, but God damn it, Carrie Elwes is, is charming. So And smoking. Yeah, yep. so he's Dreamy. Great. He still has Wesley hair somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the movie, uh, there is a scene near the end where these two characters show up and it's very right. like, ooh, these characters are here and we're in the audience. But they're there for a second. Yeah. And they're like <laughs> checking into this hotel where the main story is happening and then they never show up again. 
and in the movie it feels ominous it's like what are these guys going to be doing like are they going to like ruin the big third act or are they going to bring in something you know some kind of like yeah. plot change I thought it was going to be the main character's ex who was getting yeah, married some, something right. big and nothing ever happened of it and in our last show we talked about it like what was that all about a listener wrote in to me and they're like no those are characters from the princess switch movies and I was like what what <laughs> Are you kidding me? Who was it? I, I don't know. What? I didn't, I didn't look it up, but I'm sure we're going to get into it once we eventually review those movies. But it's like, yeah, they wanted it to be this like cinematic universe, and they're all So connected. this is the Netflix Christmas cinematic yes. universe. Yes. What? Oh, my God. How is this? I mean, I guess so. I guess if you're if you're making a bunch of movies and they're all crappy, you... Like no offense, if you love these movies, you love these movies. That's great. I and they're great. Yeah, and you're right, and we're wrong, but we're so right. So we'll do wrong. more research right. on who these people were, but that's apparently what that scene was about. That's okay, but did they consider people who hadn't <laughs> seen the other movie and would but have the same reaction you did? Which it's was totally. Like, it's like the MCU <laughs> thing where it's like you don't know who Captain Marvel is. Should you we, be surprised? We, she's here. We kind of established, um, Ryan and I love rom-coms, but um, the last like couple that we've watched have been pretty, meh. like you could just put them on the background and be like, okay, this this is a Christmas movie on back yeah. here. You can basically look away for 30 minutes, look back and say, oh yeah, I know yeah, what's I going on. Yeah, I haven't missed a thing. And, and so I feel like if you, if you skipped, if you, if you were watching a movie in that capacity, then this scene doesn't matter to you. You're like, no, that's a somebody checking into an inn. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the pitfalls of any cinematic universe you you try and weave. You, you got to get everyone in. Right. Uh, Ryan has Ryan has a lot against the Marvel cinematic universe because there's too much in it, and so I feel like you would you feel maybe antagonistic against this as well. It's just you know you need story motivation. You guys give them a reason to here, be here. there. When we get no reason here. here. It's, um, you know what, a lot of things that I, I hear from not only friends, not only myself, but even just like Instagram, you know, friends or Instagram relationships messages are about rom-coms and how they wish there were more rom-coms, better rom-coms. And I don't understand why Netflix and all these other places are not hitting that target, which these people are desperate for. I'm desperate for, you guys are desperate for like really good rom-coms the way they used mm -hmm. to be. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting that instead they're like, no, people want more Marvel, more superheroes, more action, and more reboots of things that are, you know, action or superheroes. So mm -hmm. it's it's because the five to fifty million dollar movie doesn't exist is anymore. A dead zone. Mm -hmm. Like like you're, they're either going to spend no money on it and hope that it does extremely well in like in comparison to the money they spent or they're going to spend so much money on it that it basically can't fail. Well, ironically, um, a, a very good mid budget movie that came out a few years ago was called knives out. And now, yep. yep. Now our, our overlords, Netflix is making it the biggest franchise they're going to make. Yeah. That, that budget got up really, really high. It, uh, so, which is good. Good for, it was for, a large you know, jump, yes, but... <laughs> the people working on it. It was a large jump, I would right? agree. <laughs> um, but it does mean, okay, so then it's Netflix. So then there have to be maybe perhaps Netflix-related people. And um, Netflix characters. Now they 
So now the Knives Out movies are in the same cinematic universe as the Christmas Switch movies, okay. and the Stop. it's all it's all connected. Carrie, if you have any influence at all, you got to find these Don't two let people them in. that were in. Do no, not. no, no, you got to you got to put them in in the background now. You have to you have to force you got to squeeze these two characters that are apparently in every single Netflix movie and just be like, hey. Ryan, can we can we can we get so, these guys? Can you imagine in if Knives we hang out, up, we stop recording, and I'm like, you guys, guess who's in Knives Out too? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're the stars. They're the yeah. leads. I know it is. It's interesting, but you know what? Those there will still be a theatrical release, and that's something that you know the yes, the switch, which whatever. Ryan and I will be there first day right? mm-hmm. to see. And yeah. um, there's a lot of other say and a lot of other involvement. So I know what you're saying, though. I I actually thought that Vanessa Hudgens, the movie that came out this year where, where she's three people, I actually thought that was a skit, like an SNL type of skit. <laughs> Me too. At first. I actually you thought did. it was okay. a joke. Um, and I, I still can't believe it exists. And if next year there's one where she's four, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't. Vanessa Hudgens to me is a real mystery because not only in the like TV film, but in, in, in Broadway, like she's been on Broadway and mm-hmm. I have a lot of questions about that in general. Like I just don't. And now it's like, and now Netflix is like, hey, we want you to keep working with us. Here, play this part. Play this part two times. Play this part three times. Like, please just stay here with us forever. I don't know. I just, we cannot get enough of you. No, I mean, for Kelly and me. <laughs> no, no, no. That's what Netflix <laughs> okay. says. I, I, Kelly and I have a mixed, totally mixed feelings towards Netflix. Because on the one hand, it's like, why don't you guys invest in making these better these these like tv movie these hallmark like movies like you have all the money in the world why don't you make these movies better and yet they are investing in real talent like ryan johnson but like uh another movie they produced and released this year was passing which is a great film um that is a handsomely made film it's a period piece it looks really good and it's not a cheapo film of theirs so it's like they're they're just firing on all cylinders and sometimes Mm -hmm. they have a great movie sometimes they don't have a great movie you never know it, yeah. it kind of feels like the studio system in that way, if we're comparing this to like, you know, Paramount of 1942, where there's a lot of not good movies that came out that are now forgotten from that time period, too, because they were cranking out 100 movies a year, yeah. you know, and That's a great so point. maybe it's yeah. just a re- reincarnation. Of I that. do think that is what's happening. Um, and I will be happy to be a member of any of those studios, which we now right. just refer to as streaming. You know what? We criticize them too, but if they bought our movies right. that Ryan and I have written, <laughs> we, yeah, we would say yes. Of course, we would sell out immediately. Yeah, and you know, because we're tired of being poor artists. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and I, I think that's kind of the formula, right? Is that you make something, quote unquote, on your own um, or independently, or whatever the version of independent is at this point, and then it does yeah. so well because people are so hungry for good stories and great talent that then you move into one of these worlds where you also have to make sure that their people are used and the seat fillers are used and the great talent that you were using and the great stories you were using now have to just be slightly adjusted, not too much, just a little bit. And then that kind of shifts. But yeah, I mean, sign me up. I love this episode because we have never stayed on track (laughs) once. Um, We have been a couple of chaos Muppets, but I'm going to try to be the order Muppet and say, since we talked about our, um, our letter this week, let's also just mention that we do have a Patreon where we have a bunch of bonus Mm -hmm. episodes. We have a couple of bonus episodes for Gilmore girls. Mm -hmm. If uh, Carrie, you're interested Mm -hmm. in those, we do a season at a time, but we also have done stuff like a Miyazaki movie. And this month um, is die hard, die hard this month, a Christmas movie. 
Mm-hmm. Die Hard is a Christmas Important. movie. Not Christmas in my head. It's okay. Sorry, mm-hmm. everyone calm down. <laughs> we also have a, a weekly um, blog post, and this week Ryan wrote about community in mm-hmm. rom-coms and why most rom-coms are actually about community and connection and um and why that's important Mm -hmm. and it's really heartwarming it's perfect for the season so if you want to go check that out that's at um patreon.com slash romcom gents where we also have a listener poll where you if you are on patreon get to decide the last movie that we review every month and this month they're all christmas themed what what do we have up there ryan we've got a christmas prince we've got netflix's holiday which is currently winning. So uh, thank on, you, guys. guys. We have, with no votes, The Best Man Holiday, which I'm really disappointed. I really would like to check out that sequel. We did sequel. The Best Man I love this The Best summer. Man. Come on. I would love to make this a winter thing, too. And then we have The Preacher's Wife, which is in second Denzel. place. Denzel. Oh, really? Okay, place. get us there. Yeah. Come on. That'd be a fun one. Really I think Rachel, one. Rachel Perel Foskett just voted for that, and so I am. I think we're coming back. Let's, let's make Preacher's Wife happen, people. If you can just come... And like it's two bucks, I think, if you want to vote for that. So just come over, Buy us give a us a Christmas present, and and help us watch Preacher's Wife because that's going to be much more fun than holiday. And it's such a yes. cool way to support uh, you guys. I always think patrons are so neat that like it can be such a minimal amount of money, but if a lot of people do it, it really actually helps people really run helpful. their creative endeavors, and then that eventually helps you guys be able to maybe move forward in, in making movies. And then maybe those movies are things that people like so much. You know, it's also connected. Uh, how can we have the conversation we just had without also like saying, yeah, but if we want new things, we need new people who need to. I mean, that's a good way to put it. If, if you're funding and I don't want to sound high and mighty, but if, if you're a patron like Kelly and I are filmmakers, we want to make movies. And it's like if you're funding the Patreon, you're helping fund us get the freedom to make those movies totally and make right. yeah. good rom-coms. Yeah. As as a couple of freelancers, I just want to express how how much I appreciate the uh, few patrons that we do have because it has allowed Ryan and I to take like we 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 have a couple of film projects that we're doing together over the next three months, and without that support, I don't know if we'd have the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. and this this also takes us a lot of time and takes away from that, and so like balancing that is all helped so much by our patreon so again that's uh, patreon.com slash romcom gents and um yes i think you're all champions if you do that but i also think that this movie probably has a couple of champions as well so would you two like to give this movie a romcom oscar yes i would i would give it a romcom oscar yes yes you would my okay. Rom-com Oscar. I'm going to go first. Sorry, Carrie. I'm going to go first. I'm going to give it best drunk. Just best drunk. Best drunk performance? Just best best drunk. drunk. Just best drunk with Fred Astaire. He's the best drunk. I think think this is the best we've seen this year as well. Right. Uh, What about you, Carrie? Perhaps best carriage ride. (laughs) (laughs) One circle. Nothing happens. (laughs) That was so easy and nice. I do love that carriage too because I think it's the same. It's not the same one that they used um, during the snow when she took it over, but the the carriage that she took to the inn around Christmas time said taxi on it. Yeah, and I just I wish that was more of an occurrence in small places that have like a lot of snow where they just have sled taxis. That That's really great. fun. That's a great idea. I also feel like uh, we could do best worst friend. 
Yeah. Yes. This is not yes. a good friend. Yes. Best worst friend. I think that's a better Oscar. I like that one. Kelly, you've that's told good. me I can't use worst, though. Although we're saying best worst friend. But I'm special, and I have special rules. That's true. You're a guest. <laughs> rules Carrie, don't apply. Yeah, Carrie doesn't. Uh, Carrie transcends the the horrible rules that I make. <laughs> but there is something about their friendationship yeah. that is. It's. I, I don't know, Kelly. I didn't. I didn't. I'm not necessarily relating to it, but I'm relating to it a little bit because Bing Crosby is a little. I've stolen so many women from you. No, so many. No, <laughs> but. I definitely hid Sarah from you as much as I could in the early days of getting to know her because I was a little bit worried of you being your charming self. Awesome. Which <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, you're my best friend. I would never do that to you. You didn't do a wink. You, you didn't <laughs> you didn't do anything, but I was always a little I was always looking over my shoulder. I was like, uh But so now, I did, now you're more secure. As we yes, all are. Yes, I've got a secure attachment, and, yes. it's, and it's fine. And and Sarah Sarah would never have gone with me. She she loves you so much. So we know that you. now. I she didn't know she that made in a college. great choice, I have to say. Um, and plus, my my dance skills are just not as good as Fred Astaire's. So I don't think I would it's have had close, a chance. Though. You have to be a good dancer. It's close. <laughs> when I think of great dancers, I <laughs> think you. Fred Astaire, and then you. <laughs> um, well, well, my... Kelly, did you find yourself relating to these characters at all? Um. Like, Bing, like, there's an insecurity to everybody in this movie. Like, Bing Crosby doesn't want to, like, give her a chance to run away because he's been hurt before. And, like, I, I get that, like, I guess I get that inclination to, to be worried. But I haven't had that in so many years where you're, you're afraid of your partner running away with somebody else because of past hurt i think that's a very real thing but i i didn't relate to the characters because that hasn't been a part of my life for such a long time i guess sure yeah well what's your oscar then um i'm gonna say best use of preserves for this one um there's, <laughs> Why were they exploding <laughs> there's a there's such a random scene where um bing crosby goes to recruit uh fred astaire to just come up to his inn and he brings peach preserves as a um, as a present, and you know this is something I would do, Ryan, just because like I'm always making muffins and you know yeah, uh, I'll, I'll gladly accept your preserves. Um, but I just it was such a weird scene. But I also haven't seen preserves used at all so far in our genre, so I think this is going to be the only time I can give this Oscar. So it's best preserves. Wow. I mean, best explosives, you know, they're just yeah, like grenades. Uh, maybe basically. best special effects. I don't know. No, I'm just curious scientifically. Why are the bottles exploding? Maybe he put too much sugar in there and it ended up fermenting. That's the only way I could okay. see that happening. I would buy that. Oh, I, I'm no okay. scientist, so. <laughs> Thank God for that. Um, well, uh, good Oscars all around. So that does bring me to the next important question is, who would you fall in love with? Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends. The truth of it is, I loved you from the first second I met you. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul. And I love, I love, I love you. I know. Run! 
There's not a lot of great people in this movie. I feel like <laughs> I'm gonna say Gus, who drives the lady into the pond. <laughs> the mustache is so epic. <laughs> He's like Ted Lasso's great grandfather. <laughs> it's yeah. true. Um, no, I think probably Jim and his like wah wah. I'm so tired. I just want to have a break. Can you come like sing and dance with me? Unfortunately, mm. probably at some point in my life, I would have been like, sounds wonderful. Let's have a garden. Sure. You know, like Let's there is a bit of like, he's like pity party, like, you know, mm-hmm. um, but nice overall and means well and and really actually has a heart for love, I think, mm-hmm. over Ted. 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 <laughs> And and when because when Ted loses Linda at the end, he's like, ah, shucks. And it's like, <laughs> back to Lila. Did you? Yeah. Did you really care about? Did you even care? No. Um, okay, Kelly. What about you? Um. sickles do you um, want to toss a coin or something no 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 i think i'm gonna go okay remember the the flower shop um yeah there is the the guy her manager her manager <laughs> that she just shuts down where she's like she's like hey 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 let me take let me go talk to this manager over there because i need to get a job and he just kind of like takes it and he's like had a really bad day at work i I I really empathize with people who are working in the service industry and just have bad coworkers and are just trying just trying to work. So I can't pick him. Who am I kidding? I'm gonna go with Jim too. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna go with Linda and just know going into the relationship that she's got angles and just working with those angles. Okay. And just keeping her away from people like Ted. Yeah. So in this case, Kelly, sorry, you're out. But I think though that all of us probably, if we were more mature people, should say Mamie because Mamie keeps things running. She can run a mm-hmm. household. She can take care of children. She has a wise word for our lead man. She totally. has, uh, you know, she's grounded in reality. And she's, even she's raising two kids yeah. and seems like a single mom because we don't ever see the husband there. Yeah, and so she's so epic and a full time job, and obviously really has a third child in Jim. And right. and know, can probably cook up a storm. Nice She's a professional singer. cook. Nice yep. singer, but doesn't seek the spotlight. Nope. You know what I mean? Should yeah. we all just change our answer to Mamie? I think so. Yeah, we're changing our answer Okay, I think, I think yeah. the case has been made, and we're, we're falling in love with Mamie instead. <laughs> yeah. I love that. All right. Well, I think we have to pick next week's movie, huh? Yeah, what are we... What, it's, where, are we still picking from the December list? We're still Christmas picking list? from the December list. And um, why don't you go ahead and make that list up? And Carrie, I'm going to need you to pick a number between 1 and 15. 11. 11. Just like Stranger Things, right? Oh, exactly. yeah, totally. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Okay. So that would be just friends with ryan reynolds oh. and Anna ferris right okay. yeah think, uh, my wife's not going to be able to watch this one because she has ryan blindness oh right she can't tell Can ryan reynolds that? yeah she, uh, my wife can't tell ryan reynolds ryan philippe or uh ryan gosling apart um it's just she just 
I think she's getting better now. She's going to therapy for it. Mm. But um, yeah, she, I think her, you should throw. She probably should throw Ryan Johnson into there too. Like she's like, wait, was Brick directed by Ryan Gosling? Ryan Reynolds? <laughs> was it the Baby Goose? I think it's no. the I. If you yeah, if you that, spell the name, that's what helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, differently, in your head. it helps you. Mm-hmm separate it out i too have a hard time i'm often like am i at dinner with ronnie reynolds right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was funny robin uh we were driving home from like a road trip the other month and she was like just randomly out of nowhere she's like does ryan have a mustache and i'm like i'm like yes and and it's (laughs) and it's like robin ryan has a beard and she's like are you sure i think he just wears a mustache And i'm like you see him every single week every day she has face blindness i'm sure just to ryan's though wow um okay carrie we had a great time heck yeah um where can people follow you and you have your christmas single out the most important question is yes you can listen to it but is there a preferred platform that you want people to find it well, you can get it um, on any major platform and any minor platform. Um, you can purchase it on iTunes for $1.29. Um, I think like 90 cents of that goes into my pocket. So look at it. Yes. And Please, you guys, it's important. I think it needs to be reiterated. If you're just listening to music on Spotify, they're really not paying the artists. They're paying cents. them pennies. Yeah. I yeah. think you get three cents so, on, the, on every stream. Um, please own your music. Please own it. And please buy it so that you can actually support the artists that you're listening to. And not only please. that, but then you'll always have it available to you. And you will own it. It doesn't matter if you're on a tunnel or something. You can listen to it at any time. And this alarm. is one that you want to own. Oh, well, yes. thank you. Um, yes, I think it's really fun. And I would very much like to place it into a Hallmark or Lifetime or Netflix or something mm. movie. I wrote it with the intention of selling it. I actually have a question. Um, so we watched a movie with White Christmas, one of the most famous Christmas songs of all time. You've just done a Christmas song. Mm-hmm. What's like an essential element? Or what, what, what did you find in, in trying to construct a, a Christmas song? I felt like it had to have, well, this is going to sound nuts, but it had to have Christmas bells, which in the very, very beginning of my song, totally. it has Christmas bells. Mm-hmm. And I probably asked for that, like, over and over and over and then we got to like almost the final version and there were still no christmas bells and i were, were you the christopher walken of this recording yeah yes i was because <laughs> okay. it's 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 mine it's my baby you know it's not i've mm-hmm. sung on a lot of other people's songs and i've sung on stages a lot of other people's music but this one's mine so uh, christmas bells and i wish there were more christmas bells but the next one will have more christmas bells um and i think something i wanted something that people wanted to like listen to in their car when they were driving between errands or they just needed a break in their car or something that like would kind of convey the where like the place we are at right now as a society but give an infusion of hope yeah it's got yeah. a good message to it for mm-hmm. sure like- and it's a it's a sweet sounding song it doesn't sound like really like plastic and commercial like other christmas songs yes can yeah sound. it is it's very sweet i call it my sweet voice and um yeah you know, I have a lot of other voices, and the, the one we were going to go with was not as sweet. It was very powerful, um, like a very powerful take. And um, your favorite person of mine, Ryan um, Johnson, really, <laughs> really liked that one. And when I switched it to this, he was like, huh. And I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's way more marketable and kind of felt the it fit the, the vibe more. So, sure. yes, that's what I wanted well, to do. Well, we thought... We were listening to it again earlier, and we're, we 
Kelly Bothenegger just like it's got kind of a twang to it. Like a it's little, got this kind of like the producer I worked with, especially is the country. Yeah. yeah, and and he brought in some some other country friends and um, actually without telling me, which I thought was <laughs> it's, a, it's been an interesting learning process. Um, and it, it does feel a little country, but you know what? Some of the songs that I write really do lean country because of the storytelling aspect this is like an easy thing to put out first because it didn't have to be about like any vulnerability or my artistry. It was just a Christmas song. So the fact that people still love it so much and I'm still getting this like wonderful feedback. I think it took me eight minutes to write this song total, you know? So nice. it's, it's interesting to see like, Oh, right. I can also do commercial stuff and I can also write stuff for other people and sell things to projects and, you know, maybe one day do a whole, a whole musical That'd be really yeah. neat. So. Yes, please. Yeah, uh, we would both like to see that. So, where can people? So they'll they can buy the single for Christmas on iTunes, iTunes Francis. Amazon, um, Apple Music. It's on Spotify. It's on YouTube, and it's also on all of the social media platforms. So you can use it in your stories, oh, in your nice. TikToks. You can use it on Facebook. Um, Brilliant little clips of it. So that's a really fun, kind of a cool, fun bonus that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Uh, where else can people follow you and keep track of what you're doing? Yes. Um, after you buy my song, the next best way to support me is to follow <laughs> me on Instagram. Um, that's the place I am the most. And if you really want to see what I'm up to and um, lots of fun stories and cute things with my dog, that's Carrie Francis Official. And um, I'm sure it'll be in show notes or something, but it's Carrie with a K and Francis with an E. That's the same on TikTok. And I'm sparingly on Twitter, but that's carrying on. Wonderful. Uh, well, Carrie, thank you so much for coming on to our show. We really liked having you as our yeah, guest. Thank Hopefully you. we can have you on further occasions. Of course, of course. Anything Gilmore Girls. Oh, oh yes. yeah. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, of course. And um, Merry Merry Christmas to all. And uh, as we as we end the, the show every single time, um, Ryan, Carrie, I love you both. Um, like I love Fred Astaire's dancing. Mm, well, I have to say, I love you as much as I love also Fred Astaire's dancing. There's just so it's much. So to damn love. good. So good. Do I get to do one? Yeah. No, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I love you guys as much as I love Fred Astaire's bourbon shots. Uh, then I had a drink. A drink. Boy, you were fractured. <clears throat> and this is where we will say a goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. So see you next week on a gentleman's guide. To rom-coms. Robin's making uh, Elowen laugh downstairs. Aww. <laughs> she sounds like a kind of a psycho. <laughs> She's like, ha ha, ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs>